the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Wednesday, July 13th, 2022. I am Seth Leibson. The phone number, if you'd like to join the conversation, is 602-508-0960. I will... Um, I will put my uh, I will do my monologue at the top of the third hour uh, today. I've uh, been getting a lot of uh, emails, just a quick order of business, uh, a lot of emails and uh, inquiries about uh, people wanting to hear the list of endorsements I did last Friday. And that's exactly where you can go. 960thepatriot.com. Everything we do on this show is uh, available at 960thepatriot.com. And uh, it's uh, of no charge. It's totally free. Uh, to you. Uh, big show today. We've got a bunch of uh, candidates uh, calling in, and we're going to do a check-in with Professor Mark Bauerlein, uh, First Things Magazine, author of The Dumbest Generation. We'll talk to him about uh, the uh, interplay between uh, Josh Hawley and that Berkeley law professor yesterday. We spent some time, uh, yes, we spent some time on it yesterday. We're going to talk to Mark Bauerlein a little bit about that later today. Uh, off the top of my head, there were two things that I was kind of turning over in my head as I was driving into the studio today. Something, one of them was something uh, John Gabriel uh, wrote. You know, he's the editor of Ricochet and sometimes guest and sometimes guest host here uh, on Twitter yesterday when uh, he noticed Anthony Fauci and the administration starting to talk uh, talking uh, very seriously in their in in, in their own terms about the uh, the new COVID BA5 variant. And uh, Gabriel put the tweet up. He goes, you know, and the one thing I was going to say positive about the Biden administration is at least we don't have COVID anymore. You know, that's a pretty good point from John. You know, the one thing they might be able to have some bragging rights on is they returned us to normalcy, which, by the way, I mean, they haven't returned us to normalcy and we're not going to hit normalcy anytime soon. But they, you know, you could theoretically get away with saying that because for most of us, uh, COVID has been in the rearview mirror, at least as a crushing public policy series of uh, encroachments on our lives, our schools and our businesses and families and religious practices and other things. You could have you, the administration could have had a bragging right on it, could have, could have. This is how. A, hapless they are, but also how ideologically rigid they are. Think about Anthony Fauci yesterday doing the tour and saying that it's time for people to mask up again. That is what he said. I have to believe, I have to believe that Anthony Fauci is 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 taking his is a doctor who takes his own medicine. That is to say, he is he is someone who follows the advice he gives. I don't think we've caught him much. Nothing particularly comes to mind with the kind of hypocrisy we have seen, particularly from leaders like uh, uh, Governor Whitmer in Michigan or Gavin Newsom or Garcetti in Los Angeles uh, or the mayor of Austin. We haven't seen that. I think at one point there was a close call with a Thanksgiving trip when he was advising no travel, but he was going to go see his family, and then he got called out on it and didn't. My only point 
is this. He just got over a reinfection of COVID. He had COVID and then he was reinfected, he said, resymptomized by it. If the masks were doing their job and if he was doing as much mitigation as he is telling us we should do, then how did he get COVID last month and get reinfected? This is the most boosted, immunized man who knows more about masks probably than anyone else. I think he probably lies about them, but it's clear he knows about them. I have no compunction about saying he lies, none whatsoever. You know why? He admitted to lying to us. He admitted to lying to us in December of 2020 on the issue of herd immunity. You may recall he used to say that herd immunity would be a pro, would be achieved at 75 to 80 percent, and then he started moving that number up to 85, 90, 95 percent when he was called on it. He said, I didn't think the American people were ready for the real number. So he is, yes, overlording, bigfooting his expertise uh, against uh, the people of this country in thinking that he knows better for us what information we can handle. Truth is not his first calling card. But I am going to guess that the paranoia he promulgates and disseminates into this country is paranoia he lives by. That's just a guess. Regardless, maybe the next time he's being interviewed, whether I'm right or wrong, I can only suppose. But what next time he's being interviewed, it would be wonderful. It would be wonderful if a reporter said to him, Dr. Fauci, you're telling the American people to mask up. You've obviously been taking your own medicine and heeding your own advice. If masks worked and these other mitigation factors worked, how did you get COVID and reinfected as one of the most highly boosted people that there can be to exist? That would be a great question. And you know what? It dawns on no reporter to ask that. Do you know why it dawns on no reporter to ask that? Because they don't think about it. They are in the business of swallowing whole whatever this administration and the leftist paranoiacal line is. They don't even think to make these connections. They are told to wear masks. They are going to promote the importance, gosh knows, of wearing masks, just like the greengrocer in Vaclav Havel's essay may not believe that the workers of the world should unite, but he's going to hang it in his window because that's what has to be done. That's the forced confession. That's the creeping conformism that Leo Strauss once warned about in the 1950s. Creeping conformism, conformism is what he called it in the 1950s. It's not creeping anymore. It's here. It's here. And it's led to a massive inability to think, cogitate, and connect two thoughts to a conclusion. Wear masks, wear masks, wear masks. And then while the people who are wearing those masks are getting COVID, never take a beat or a pause to think about, wait, maybe there's another strategy. The problem, by the way, with this lie about masks, do you know what this problem really is? The problem is, it, 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 and it's true of almost any public policy. I went through this during the uh, when we were when we were talking about the 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 emerging opioid crisis about five years ago. It's now here in full blown, but we were on it earlier. Uh, about five years ago, we were on this. But the point is, when you issue uh, public policy, public policy guidelines, particularly when it comes to public health, and these are all public health issues, opioids, and obviously the fentanyl issue and the opioid issue and COVID, um, when you issue guidelines 
or rules or laws or best practices as you see them that are not correct, that are not wrong. You give people not only a false sense of security, you give them a real increased danger because they think they're doing the right thing and they think they're being uh, protected. They think they are protected. They may think they are immune. Just going through this when we were talking about, for example, the uh, emerging opioid crisis uh, back five, six or so years ago when the big effort was to go after uh, the pharmaceutical companies. And the pharmaceutical companies did have their role that they played, but not five years ago and not six years ago. That problem had ended years before that, and it was giving people a false sense of security and safety to think, ah, yes, we're going after the pharmaceutical company. Pharmaceutical companies are not making the pills that are killing Americans uh, with with fentanyl. They are not making the pills that killed Prince, and they're not making the pills that killed 110,000 Americans last year. We gave the people the sense that we were doing the right thing because we got the real culprit. Well, we didn't. This is the problem when you arrest the wrong man or woman. You think the community is safe, and it isn't because you have given them a false sense. Same thing with the mask issue. Same thing with the mask. You put on a mask, you wash your hands, you keep your six feet of distance, you close your schools, you close your restaurants, and, well, how many of those people got COVID? How many of them? How many of them? As many as who didn't is the answer. And that's why when you compare the states, as I was doing with, um, I think it was Hugh Hallman yesterday, we were comparing states that engaged in heavy lockdowns and states that didn't. There's no pattern to detect. There's no pattern to detect. Why did the harshest lockdown states, Michigan, New York, Illinois, New Jersey, why did they all do worse than Florida? Florida, which has, you know, uh, an aged population as well, far more than any of those other states because of misdirection, lies, and an importance to hew to the party line. It's not creeping conformism anymore. It's deadly conformism. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. I am Seth. It is a delight to bring back on air my candidate for Congress in Congressional District 4, newly created district, Kelly Cooper. Kelly Cooper, Arizona.com is his website, K-E-L-L-Y, Cooper, Arizona.com. Kelly, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. I mean, you know, we're all feeling the pressure, 9.1. Inflation, unbelievable. I want to get your views on that because you are a business owner, a small business owner. But before uh, we get to that, you're doing a special event tonight, aren't you? Yeah, so, uh, you know, when you're campaigning, you want to do your best to be out in front of people and uh, get the opportunity to talk and meet as many people as you can. So, we're hosting event down an event down at BKD's backyard joint. Uh, it's 980 East Pecos Road. It's at the it's in Chandler at the corner of Pecos and McQueen. And we're gonna have uh, a little bit of dinner, some finger foods and snack, and uh, a pasta bar. And uh, I'll talk for a little bit, and then we'll have a little bit of time to mix and mingle and socialize and ask questions and. Find out what uh, this candidate for Congress stands for. I love it. I love it. I know what you stand for. I've kicked your tires a bunch, and uh, that's why I'm supporting <laughs> you, brother. 
Uh, if you want to distinguish you, yourself from the other candidates uh, for a few moments, by name or not by name, feel free. Take a, take a moment if you'd like to. Well, yeah, so in this race, I'm, I am the only candidate uh, that is the employer of over 100 families. Uh, I'm the only candidate that has true experience balancing a P&L, uh, cash flow sheets, um, talking about how to run a business. And frankly, you could see what's happening with the government. If I ran my businesses like this, we wouldn't be having a meet and greet tonight at one of my restaurants. That's exactly right. We just wouldn't be in business. That's exactly right. You're a restaurant owner, uh, United States Marine Corps veteran, and my candidate for Congress in CD4, Kelly Cooper. Let's talk about, do you know about P&L sheets? Let's talk about these inflationary numbers. A lot of us thought maybe, 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 maybe we would see these numbers go down. Instead, it just gets worse and worse. They went up. What does this inflationary number mean to you? What does this inflationary moment mean to you? And how do we arrest it? <laughs> okay, so uh, the inflationary number means very little to me uh, in that it is not real. Uh, the Clinton administration changed the way we calculated inflation so that he wouldn't have to increase fixed income payments for people when inflation was high back in his term. And so the numbers that we're actually looking at are closer to 25% uh, based on original calculations. Uh, now, from that perspective, you could recognize and understand that this is the highest inflationary position we've ever been in this country. Inflation is affecting every level of our economy and every person in our district. I mean, one of the most painful things that you can have is, is inflation because it does affect everybody. And so when you have policies that are driving inflation the way that they are, I mean, how, how cold and unfeeling for the party in charge that represents themselves to care about the people and all the time enacting policies that are costing people their livelihoods. I mean, as a small business owner, I'm a member of the NFIB. It's a, a small business group uh, some people may be familiar with. I am. They I love a released- National Federation of Independent Business. Good group. Yeah, you bet. Yes. So they just released yesterday uh, their uh, small business confidence index, and it's at the lowest level it's been in the 48-year history that number's been measured. Mm-hmm. 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 I mean, let that sink in for a second. Small businesses in this country are being told that the economies are great, and the people that help lobby for us in Congress to make sure that our government officials and representatives are not crushing the soul of American society, are saying, we have no confidence in the future right now. We have the lowest confidence we've ever had. And uh, it's crushing. It's it's crushing uh, lower income, middle income, upper income. It's crushing everybody, and it's going to kill jobs, and it's going to kill jobs pretty quick. It's going to kill jobs, so and it's going to it's going to kill employment too. I I mean, this is a wholesale retail service production problem at every level, isn't it? I'm guessing it's going to make people uh, give people a not guessing. I know it. I've seen it in 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 my household, and I've seen it in this business too. It's it's harder for people to get to work because it's more expensive for them to just go through the means of ordinary living, which is putting food on their table and affording gas to drive to work. It's probably going to be harder for you to hire people with the wage structures you need to hire them. It's going to be harder for you to get the products to your customers that they want, and it's going to leave less disposable income for customers. At every level, this just stinks, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you brought up how do we arrest it. Yeah. Uh, there's, some, there's some ships that have sailed. Yep. Uh, Build Back Better and 
flushing money into the economy. You hear this from blue cities now saying, well, we're going to we're going to give stimulus to people to help them get over inflation. <laughs> what kind of vicious cycle and how ignorant can you be to think that we're going to pass out more money to solve the inflation problem that was created by having too much money in the economy? Mm-hmm. Um, but what we can do, what we can do is make the administration yield on their policies, both at the border and as, as it relates to energy and uh, fossil fuels, mm-hmm. because those two issues are both massive impacts in Arizona. You bet. I mean, you have uh, social safety net structures being being hammered. You have uh, health care and education being hammered. Uh, you have health care from uh, the fentanyl uh, infiltrations yep. uh, crushing the economy. And then you have energy prices. And as you said before, energy is touching everything in our economy. Yes. Everything from production all the way up through to food that I put on the table or uh, that you buy at the grocery store or any kind of uh, any kind of products you're buying at the store. Mm-hmm. Every single item is touched by energy, which then again is touched by labor because energy causes labor to be more expensive because it costs you more to go to work. It costs yeah. you more to live your life. Yeah. So it's a vicious cycle, and we're, this administration continues, continues to double down on it. And uh, we, we have to have members and representatives that understand the needs of small business, that understand the needs of everyday citizens that are trying to make it on their own. They're trying to launch that American dream, build the future that they want through their own hard work, and it's being robbed of them. It's being robbed from them every single day. And we could transition that into rising crime, I think. Oh, yes, absolutely. I agree with you on that. We should talk about that next time you're here. I know you have an event tonight and just had a few moments to spare with us, and I wanted to get your voice on the rising inflation numbers. So your event tonight, your meet and greet for Kelly Cooper running for Congress in CD4 to take out Greg Stanton, to take out the man who's giving Joe Biden green lights and thumbs up. You want Kelly Cooper Cooper to give him thumbs down and red lights. It's at BKD's... um, uh, in Chandler, which is 980 East Pecos Road, BKD's. Uh, Kelly, what time uh, should people start showing up if they want to uh, have a bite to eat and say hi to you? Yeah, 530. Oh. I, I'm probably going to hang out there till 730 or 8. I'll have my family. My children will be with me. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll socialize for a little bit. I'll talk for a couple of minutes, and then we'll we'll socialize a little bit more. <laughs> uh, but like we are going to have uh, some finger foods and some pasta, so there'll be some food there and all that. It's going to be I think it's going to be a great time. It sounds like it, buddy. If I weren't working, I'd be there too. Thanks for uh spending time with us as always, Kelly, and uh thanks for putting your hat in the ring and doing this. You're the kind of person we need to replace Mr. Stanton. Kelly Cooper for Congress. That's kellycooperarizona.com if you want to learn more or help out. I'm Seth Leibson and we will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show for our Culture and Economy Update, which we do every day at this time. It is time for John Dombrowski from Grand Canyon Planning Associates. His website, grandcanyonplanning.com. He also has his own radio show right here every Saturday morning at 7 a.m., The Word on Wealth. How are you doing today, John? Fantastic. Thank you, Seth. Better than the CPI, huh? Yeah. Consumer price index numbers uh, show inflation apparently is still uh, on the surge. So it did not uh, did not pull back. Uh, yeah, some people thought it might uh, a little bit. Instead, mm-hmm. it went higher. As I understand it, gasoline costs are leading the biggest rise, at least according yeah. to the Wall Street Journal. I was just talking to um, 
gentleman uh, running for Congress uh, out in uh, in uh, CD4 uh, down in the Chandler Mesa area, John. Mm-hmm. He uh, he owns a few restaurants down there, and he's talking about you know people not perhaps appreciating just how devastating a number like this is and how it covers every single level of what he does, what his employees must do, what his customers do, and what his bosses do, you know, the investors. Mm. At every level, this is making things really hard, isn't it? Yeah, and it is. And again, if if companies are – because if – if uh, their their company starts to lose business because of the higher inflation, if if people decide they're not going to start, you know, continue to spend, uh, then you know they may be looking at borrowing money to sustain their business too, right? So having some type of line of credit, right? You know, oftentimes helps. Maybe they want to maintain their staff. You don't want to cut cut staff. Uh, but we're seeing a little bit of a higher unemployment rate right now. We're also seeing a pullback in wages uh, year over year. Wages pulled back. I think it was about three plus percent. Uh, so you got the cost of things going up, wages, average wages coming down. Those don't really work well. To, you know, they're going in the opposite direction yeah. of what we'd like to see. Wow. So uh, there's going to be some challenges out there. And then, of course, we had that inverted yield curve again, which we talked about mm-hmm. uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, and so there's a lot of things going on, and that's why, you know, there's a survey showing 70% of Americans believe that we're heading into a recession. Yeah, 70% so, think we're heading to a recession, and mm-hmm. 90% think we're in the wrong direction generally. Yeah. These are not mm-hmm. – these are this is not a good place for America. 41-year high, I believe, we're at right yes, now. Yes, that's correct. And, and there are it, things you can do. It dawns on me. You know, I'm talking to these uh, people running for Congress, running for different offices, John, mm-hmm. you know, and – you know, if it's true that gas uh, and energy prices are leading the the, the hikes in the C- yeah. in the consumer price index, that's actually one thing that policies can address. I mean, a lot of people kind of say, well, with inflation, sometimes you have to wait it out a little bit. There's mm-hmm. not a lot you can do. The Fed's kind of got control of it. But truly opening up energy production yeah. and releasing the restrictions or easing up on the restrictions against it, that actually – you know, that's something you could tangibly point to that might put some ease into these numbers, I would you, think. You would think. Uh, how about a pipeline yeah. from uh, yeah. Canada? Yeah. You know, yeah. maybe open up something like that. Or or, or some good. offshore <laughs> drilling uh, or some Alaska <laughs> drilling. Right. Uh, could, could not be a Saudi good idea. drilling. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. So you're going to have the president go over to Saudi Arabia right. and ask them to produce more oil. Uh, you think they're going to be happy about, you know, giving us a lot of oil and trying to lower costs? Probably not. They're probably going to do the best they can to continue – uh, making as much profit as possible, which is which is not unusual, um, and so they're they're not going to want to have uh, a, a tremendous amount of excess flowing to the U.S. They're going to want that number to be tight. I would imagine. I would imagine. Plus, you know. they're at, from what I understand, they're at they're fairly fairly at capacity, capacity now. Yeah. And then on top of which is the whole conceit here mm-hmm. of the Biden administration. I have to say, John, which is. They're doing this, and they tell us because of the issue of you know uh, the environment and and green 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 concerns. Right. You cannot tell me that the refineries in Saudi Arabia or for that matter Venezuela are going to produce cleaner than we are in the United States. It just doesn't pass the smell or laugh test. No, you know if we really want that, we should be creating more refineries right. here because of our restrictive right. you know uh, ordinances and things that yep. we have in place to have clean. Uh, to make sure our corporations are acting in a capacity to, to produce clean energy. Uh, this is something that we could do here. Mm-hmm. There's no question about it if the, if the, uh, the current uh, president would, would just you know, open up a little bit and allow uh, U.S. companies to be able to do what they want to do. They've, they've been serious about this and tried to meet with the president and the staff to uh, you know, try to come up with solutions, but they were just basically shunned. So 
Uh, not that they're not interested in. But, you know, on the other side of it, you've got Tesla that apparently just announced they're going to be building uh, another battery factory yeah. in Kansas, which yeah. is good. Now, yeah. we, we, at least we've got somebody who's building something on U.S. soil. That's you exactly know. They're in right. Texas. Yeah. They're in Texas doing this, and now they're in uh, uh, Nevada. Yep. And now um, talking about Kansas, so this is uh, this is a good thing. So I, keep- I I know you don't love doing particular industry uh, industry analysis, but next time we talk, maybe we could talk with the audience a little bit about whether investing in nuclear power stocks might yeah. be something to think about next time we visit. Uh, that'd be a good thing for the con- country yeah. to think about. That yeah. okay. Yeah. Securities Thank and advisory you. services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of Finran Sipkin Investment Advisor, Grant Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thank you, Seth. So much. Thank you, John. A great time with you yes. last night. Yes, Folks, you'd love this guy. If you have uh, cause to call him, call him. People love him. I do, too. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. That's uh, Lee Majors uh, singing in the fall guy. Brett Johnson, welcome back to the show, Brett. Brett is a partner at the Snell & Wilmer Law Firm based here in Phoenix, offices around the country, and we visit with him weekly on uh, constitutional Happy and other there. legal issues. Yeah, how you doing? How you how you doing there, Brett? Good. What happened? Uh, it, the little problem on our end, not to worry about it, but I was just giving you the proper and appropriate and glowing introduction that you usually get and Sounds more good. than well deserve. I wanted to ask you about the Supreme Court uh, year in review for a moment, if I can. It, a lot of us in the world of conservatism, or at least common sense, have been um, have been pushing an originalist interpretation of the Constitution from the judicial perspective. Looks like we uh, we put a few notches on the belt this 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 year, didn't we? I think that that's exactly right. And um, I mean, if you look at case after case that came out from the Supreme Court, especially from the majority, now none of these were from um, the minority, so there was not really any unanimous decisions. Um, that went and, and, and identified both textualism and originalism as justifications for, for the opinions. Um, but definitely what one commentator has said used to be on the fringe back in the 80s and early 90s of, uh, of legal thought has definitely become mainstream on this court, that you, you actually look at the Constitution, you read the Constitution, and you read the statutes, and, and words actually have meaning, and you can't just extrapolate as you, as you feel pleased for or uh, whatever comes before you. Brett, when it comes to the big decisions that came out this year that illustrate that, that put that in sharp relief, of course the Dobbs case would have to be the leading one. Were there a couple others as well that went in that direction? Yeah, I think I, I think the Kennedy versus Bremer district case, I mean, that that definitely went um, that way, dealing with the, the freedom of speech mm-hmm. and the coach who was able to, to pray on the 50-yard line. Um, if you if you look at uh, the West Virginia versus EPA case, that's that we'll talk about that in a bit. That that also had a significant um, um, uh, reliance on actually you know reading the the thought and what what the founders actually meant between legislative authority and executive authority. So we were we're actually talking about a very high level you know dork nerd type stuff that yeah. we learn in constitutional law and law school. Unfortunately, um, the way that it's actually spun in the media is the, is the result, right? right Which right. is 
climate control is going to be out of control. Your um, um, hospitals are going to be able to build what they need to build or don't need, um, have any controls there. Abortion is going to be illegal all over the world. The, the, it's the extremes from what, what the result was without actually looking at the substance of the opinion. And and they, they actually strive to say, hey, listen, we may disagree with the policy, we may agree with the policy, but but uh, the root of the decision has to be um, you know, all all very um, similar and applied effectively across all the different genres, and that's that's what I think has been really missed in the public debate about some of these decisions that came out this year. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point, uh, Brett, because there are some people outside of the press that actually do know better. A lot of our legislators, a lot of our elected leaders, many of whom themselves, if they weren't poli sci grads, went to law school themselves. And it's led to an odd thing, their distortion and maybe their politicalization of some of these opinions. It's led to this odd thing. I think Gallup was measuring the lowest esteem for the institution of the Supreme Court in in, in, in their history of polling on the question. Uh, you have elected leaders in Congress, uh, particularly in the Democratic Party, who are saying uh, that the Supreme Court is now illegitimate. You have Congress people saying that, Brett. What does that say to you? You know, and, and uh, unfortunately for the Supreme Court and, and judges in general, you know, they don't have uh, communications directors or PR consultants <laughs> and or somebody who can synthesize a 90-page opinion yeah. into a, a 30-word tweet sure. um, that's going to placate, uh, you know, the, the, the public in many cases. So, but I, I, I think that that's exactly right, that we are, we're seeing kind of a shift on the, the interpretation of the court, which has happened, you know, it, we all know that the pendulum swings back and forth um, on these issues. And if many people remember during the FDR days, you know, they wanted to expand the Supreme Court to get to get some of the, the socioeconomic uh, policies through that the Supreme Court was stopping. So this is not a new development, per se, as the, the attacks on the Supreme Court. Well, what, what is different, though, is is just really looking at the the results versus looking at the substance mm-hmm. of constitutional analysis, which I, I agree is very dense and, quite honestly, again, does not fit into a 30-word tweet, so it's not very sexy. Um, but if you actually read these opinions, you'll go, you know what, that's exactly what the founders probably wanted us to do. Some of this is, you're totally right, I agree with you fully on that, and it's interesting that on some of these, though, maybe even on some of what might be considered the more hot-button or tendentious uh, issues or decisions, uh, it, it doesn't seem that hard to me that, 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 that we would distill it. So I think there's, there's maybe a little bit of artifice on the part of the press and on, on the part of many in the Democratic Party. I mean, the Dobbs decision could be distilled as easily as in 1973, this court read abortion rights into the Constitution. That was an error. It is not. The state legislatures have the power, and we are taking the vote from nine people to 700 people. Across the country, or seven thousand, I should say. Yeah, and I think that that's exactly right. And and the ability to be able to look back on cases, um, and we, we we do have a tradition of precedent, star decisis mm-hmm. in this country, where mm-hmm. you know we we try not to overturn cases, but there are, and this has been a reform of of that doctrine definitely this year, and that in certain cases, especially where it's just clearly wrongly decided and not founded within the Constitution, um, is that there that we do need to take a look at, at previous. cases. 
cases, and not not just dealing with hot button issues about abortion, but possibly about other areas yeah. of the law, sure. and and really try to evaluate them and determine whether or not the principles of the Constitution have been violated. The separation of uh, of powers within the government, as well as the separation of power between the federal government and the state governments, and that's that's that has been the undertone in all of the cases I've read for the last year. Is that those are the undertones that they're really really trying to address. By the way, you mentioned separation of powers. I'm glad you did, because that does get us to this issue uh, under the general rubric, rubric of, 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 of Chevron, doesn't it? What, what the administrative, well, for what I might call the administrative state or the administrative agencies right. can do vis-a-vis what Congress has instructed. Do you want to say a word on that before people start panicking about that one, too? Sure, okay. no problem. Every, you, you, you say Chevron, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, the gas yeah. prices are so high right now. <laughs> um, but the Chevron doctrine, just for, for your listeners' um, knowledge, the Chevron doctrine is basically courts are not, are, have to deal with a bunch of different issues, taxes, immigration, whatever you want to call it. And so they uh, historically have given deferences to agencies mm-hmm. who are interpreting their statutes that give them the authority. Well, there has been a trend, and Scalia was one, Justice Scalia was one of the, the biggest ones, that basically says we shouldn't be giving deference to these agencies. And that, that it, it basically piles on these other doctrines, and I've talked about them before, the non-delegation doctrine, the right. major question doctrine, the federalism canon. And basically saying is that unless you can look, especially for things of great importance to the the society, both economic and politically, unless you can point to something very specific in the authority from Congress to the agency, the agency isn't able to extrapolate authorities. Mm -hmm. So it basically has to be able to point back to a statute and says, I have the ability to regulate or shut down power power plants, which is exactly what happened in West Virginia versus EPA, which is one of the most the recent cases um, coming out a few weeks ago, where the EPA said, you know, we usually deal with standards of energy and what, what different energies can do, um, utilities can do. But in this case, we're actually going to tell you to stop. You have to, you have a cap. And what the court said is, show us in the, in the Clean Water Act and in the other environmental laws where you have the authority to tell a utility to actually stop. Mm-hmm. You might be able to tell them that they have to use a certain filter, or they, they need to act in a certain way, but telling them to stop without actual congressional authority is above and beyond your, your, uh, your authority in this context. So that is, that is gonna, that's, that's going to resonate uh, big time, in my opinion, big time over the next few years as, as regulatory agencies, quite honestly, are going to have to you know, go back to their, their dens and lick their chops and figure out what authority do we really have here and have we, have we overstepped. Now, Going, many people think, oh, this is a conservative win, but you have to understand that administrative change, administrations change, and this is going to have just as a significant impact on Republicans who um, are, are in the executive as it has with the Democrats. So it really, really is important to understand that this is a broader macro theory and not just meant to um, be something versus liberals versus conservative, conservatives. Brett Johnson, what a tour. Tour de force. Great tour. Well done, sir. I appreciate it. Appreciate you. Brett Johnson, partner at the Snell and Wilmer Law Firm, SWLaw.com. No better attorney I know. I'm Seth Liebson. We will be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Balance of Nature, balanceofnature.com. They're fruits and veggies. I take them every single day, 100% natural. Best product I've ever taken. Keeps my immunity, health, and energy up, 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 and away. I uh, haven't been sick in several years since I've been taking it. I used to get sick uh, every time the season's changed. I just love this product, and you can too, balanceofnature.com. Check them out. They're fruits and veggies. Use discount code BALANCE. A lot coming up. Uh, including uh, one of my favorite professors, uh, Mark Bauerlein, in the third hour. A few other candidates uh, coming on to discuss the policies of the day in the next hour. And if I can flag an article for you, give you a little homework, I think we'll probably discuss it more in depth tomorrow. You can get it online at the Wall Street Journal. It's, um, It's Jason Riley's piece, The Pursuit of Social Justice is Getting People Killed. I've said for a long time, politically correct policies are leading to death, literal death, not figurative. I don't speak figuratively if I if I don't have to. And I usually don't. And Jason Riley is bringing the goods now when it comes to social justice as well. The opposite coin, opposite side of the coin of politically correct policies. I'm Seth Leibson. Don't go away. A lot more coming right up. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 